0: Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman.
1: Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Keith Weiner. Uh, he is a leading authority in areas of gold, money, and credit, and he founded a company called Monetary Metals a few years ago, and it's a way of the average person being able to earn interest on their gold. Welcome to the show, Keith.
2: Thank you for having me, Jordan.
1: Just give us a little bit of uh, background about how you uh, be- became what you are today and, and founded this company.
2: You know, um, in high school, I was your classic computer nerd, um, went off to computer science school, dropped out because I wanted to build a software company like so many of my did before me, such as Bill Gates, um, built a software company, did some cool stuff with Uh, some cool technology for voice over the internet, Um, sold that company to Nortel Networks, August 19th, 2008 was the transaction. That happened to be the last acquisition Nortel ever did before they collapsed, Um, and one of the last acquisitions anybody did before the whole world started to uh, go over the edge into the abyss. So I was sitting there in fall of 2008 with all my wealth and cash and a couple of too-big-to-fail banks watching everything happening at first feeling kind of amused and then as it became more serious started to question what the heck is going on um, none of the answers that I was seeing were making any sense I got deeper and deeper and deeper into it eventually um, coming to uh, this crazy Hungarian professor named Fat Kite, um getting a PhD under him and um, you know, thinking about my next venture, because I consider myself to be an entrepreneur, really not an uh, academic, thinking about my next venture and saying, well, I want to I want to do something that's part of the solution to this problem. Uh, if it was the normal world, I would have done another software company. I had I built a team that followed me to hell and back at Access to Capital. I think by then I knew what I was doing. I had great advisors, um, but I wanted to, to, to see if I could try to fix what's wrong with the world, or help fix what's wrong with the world. And so that led me to gold, and then ultimately to the question, what is it that makes gold circulate and price its interest? And so that's the, that's the vision for monetary metals. Very good. That's what we call yield on, yield on gold, paid in gold.
1: So most people think of gold as something, physical gold, that you get, you put it away, it's an insurance policy, it, you're not really worried about the ups and downs of it. But the downside is it just sits there. It doesn't produce any income, and it doesn't, even if it goes up in value, you don't get to capture that value until you actually sell it. So how have things, things changed now that people can actually get income on their gold instead of just having it sit there?
2: So it it turns it from this this useless piece of metal. There's a quote from Warren Buffett that everybody's probably familiar with, and the, and the gold people, of course, hate it. But he says, you know, how bizarre it is, if you're looking down on Earth from, you know, Mars, that um, we pay all these guys to dig the gold out of the ground, and then we pay more guys to put it back underground, stand around guarding it. And he actually says gold has no utility. You know, it's just a lump of metal, and you buy a lump of metal, and 30 years later, you still own that same lump. Um, and so he's correct in one sense, but, of course, disingenuous, because he's, he's you know, acting as a shill for a failing, you know, system. So if if gold has no yield, there's nothing you can do with it but hold it either as insurance as you said, or as a speculation that you know gold's going to go to uh, whatever pick your gold bug number. Uh, there's one guy that I like to talk about occasionally who it promises $65,000 an ounce. Um, but if gold is paying a yield, it becomes an investment where now it's not about selling the gold in order to realize some sort of profit but about actually using it in the way that you would use money um, and that is investing it in something, financing something productive and, um, you know, getting paid an ongoing yield, uh, you know, in order to, uh, to do so. So I, th- I think it, I think it completely changes the game in terms of personal economically what it's doing, but also in terms of it's a mental paradigm shift and, yeah. you know, a paradigm shift is a really simple thing in a certain sense. Can say it in a few words, you know, earning interest on your gold, right? But it, it it's a pretty profound thing, and it takes a while to get your get your mind wrapped around it.
1: So tell people how much interest they can earn, and how much gold they have to have, and and do they hold it in their home? Do they send it to you? What are the mechanics of actually earning interest in your gold through monetary metals?
2: Well, so with us, they they open an account, they send us gold. The minimum account size is ten ounces of gold, um, and then When you have an account and you have gold with it um, or in it, we present to you, uh, you know, deals, opportunities to do something with your gold. It's always your decision to deploy it or to take a pass if you don't like the deal. Our deals have historically ranged between 2% and 4.5%, and that is net to the investor.
1: Okay, so 2% to 4.5%. Are there some fees that are actually... Getting more, but you're taking something off of the yield they're earning.
2: We take something off of the um, the borrower, but we quote we quote everything in terms of a net to the to the investor.
1: And is there a maturity on how long you have to keep it in there to get a particular rate of interest?
2: Um, for for gold leasing, which is our our first in our flagship program, is typical maturity is one year.
1: Okay, and after that you can. You, you don't you don't have your right to your gold while it's being leased out. Is that correct?
2: You still so the way the way the leasing works, you always hold the title to the gold. Is, you're the owner of it, but you've signed a contract allowing somebody to lease it. Similar to if you own a house and you rent it out to somebody, it's still your house, but somebody has the right to occupy it during the the term of the lease agreement. And then at the end, um, you have the right to get it back, or you can roll it and you know, continue for another year.
1: So you're saying during that one year you can't sell the gold, is that correct?
2: You cannot, although you can call us, and we can't make any guarantees, but you can call us and say, can you find somebody else who wants to take over my position in the lease? And um, all of our deals are quite oversubscribed, and so what that means is there there generally is somebody that wants to take over the position, And so we can broker substituting somebody else
1: in there's more people with gold wanting to lease it out than there are people willing to pay interest. Is that what you're saying?
2: Right. So the, if the deal is X number of ounces, there's more than X number of ounces that wanted to get into the deal. Uh Um, And so, uh, so, so it's a competitive auction process that sets the rate, which is, I think very important for developing a market. But also, it means that if you want to get out, there is somebody who wants to get in.
1: Uh huh. So there's some secondary market liquidity there. So why did you get two percent or four and a half percent? What determines the interest rate?
2: It's an auction um, of the investors. Each investor says, "I'll put in this many ounces as long as I get this interest rate or higher." And then, um, you know, um, what we're doing really at Monetary Metals is clearing, clearing the auction, and saying, "Okay, well, this was the rate that raised." Amount of metal that um, that the that the bar needed at the lowest at the lowest rate that still cleared the right amount of metal.
1: Uh huh. So it's kind of like a reverse auction to some extent. They're, the prices, the interest rate is bid down based on the amount of supply and demand. Yeah, although it,
2: it isn't precisely supply. And, and my theory is, and I, and we're seeing it in practice, it works this way. People absolutely have a walking away point. There's no such thing as, well, it'll go to zero if there's enough people bidding on it. It won't, because gold is just that way. Everybody with that gold is sitting there saying, you know, I'm taking no risk if I don't lease it out, and I'm not locking it up for a year. I am taking some risk. We try to do a lot of things to mitigate it, but there is some risk if I lease it out, plus my gold is locked for a year. I'm not willing to do that if it goes below X
1: yeah it's it's kind of like setting a an um, price at an auction to some extent you, you won't go below this particular interest rate in your case
2: right i mean let's say somebody has so uh, you know here in phoenix we've just had a gooding uh, gooding and company auction and then the barrett-jackson auction i don't know if that was last week or next week but you know all these classic cars are being auctioned you know around this time of year here in, in phoenix if somebody comes with a 1952 ferrari Testarossa. And, you know, the best bid comes in at, for some stupid reason at, at $35,000. You know, the guy with a car is going to say, I'm not, I'm not parting with my car for that. Yeah, I'll just take my car home. And I think everybody with gold, and that's, that's one of the, the virtues of gold as, as a monetary standard, is there is an absolute floor on the interest rate. People will not go below. They'll just simply prefer to hold their gold rather than give it up for something less than their desired interest rate. So something we obviously see is completely missing in paper because the interest rate in paper can go to zero and it can even go negative. But Should it's ask. not possible in gold.
1: Right. So uh, explain where the interest is coming from. Who are the borrowers and why are they willing to pay interest?
2: So we have, we have two programs, um, the first being leasing. So these are companies that need gold as inventory or work in progress. So let's say you manufacture jewelry. Um, Every day you buy a kilogram bar of gold and then you put it under various rollers to make it thin and shiny and then you cut out little shapes in it and then you curl them and you weld them with gold solder and you do all these things and you polish it and eventually you have uh, gold jewelry coming out the other end. And let's say that's a two-week process. So um, in this hypothetical example, you need about 14 kilos of gold always as work in progress. Every day you're buying a kilo bar of, of fresh gold, and every day you're selling a kilogram of finished gold jewelry product. And then in the in the middle in the pipeline is always 14 kilos of um, partially completed work in progress. Well, that has to be financed. Um, you know, you have you have you know, several ways you can do that for small mom and pop businesses. It's the owner's personal capital. Uh, Uh, But that doesn't scale, and there's, you know, other issues with that. Um, But if you want to finance that, you can either do that by going to a bank and borrowing dollars, but then have this risk. What if you borrow a million dollars and you buy a million dollars worth of gold, and then the gold price drops, Um, you know, let's say 10%, you now have $900,000 worth of gold, but you still owe a million, you're bankrupt. So um, the smarter smarter move for those businesses is to lease the gold, as gold, and then everything's matched. They're not taking this currency risk, and so um, you know, we find uh, there are a lot of a lot of companies that want to lease gold from us for precisely that reason. It's not only a lower cost option for them, but it's more user friendly because it takes out this risk that they don't that they don't want and they don't you know they don't want the exposure to, and so they lease the gold from us and they're happy to pay interest. Um, you know, as the price of getting the financing they need.
1: Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Keith Weiner. He's a leading authority in areas of gold, money, and credit. Uh, The company he founded is called Monetary Metals. Uh, And as you can hear, it's a way of earning interest from 2 to 4.5% on your existing gold holdings. You can find out more at his website, which is monetary-metals.com. We'll be back after this.
4: Your leadership journey must be a continuous process of education and improvement. If you think you've learned all you need to know, think again. Find out the latest from contemporary authors on topics from character to values and everything in between. Discover insights into servant leader fundamentals along with your host, Tom Crea. Tune into Your Evolving Leadership Journey, Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
3: And discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Keith Weiner. Uh, he's a leading authority in the areas of gold, money, and credit. Uh, he's the president of Monetary Metals, which is a way of earning interest on your gold. Uh, you can find out more at his website, monetary-metals.com. Welcome back to the show, Keith. Thanks, Jordan. So we were talking about leasing. You were saying that those are jewelry manufacturers. Who would be other entities that would be leasing their gold and willing to pay interest for their inventory?
2: So there's also a bullion dealers. There are also refiners. There are also uh, recyclers. So one one business model we like is there are companies that recycle what is called e-waste. You know all the old circuit boards from old cell phones and laptops. Yeah. Um, but you know those things have trace amounts of gold in them, but Uh, There's so many, you know, millions and millions of tons of that stuff that if you grind it all up and separate out all the various things, you obviously get tons of copper, but you also get a fair bit of silver and and even a bit of gold. And um, so there's a market where they buy that e-waste and, uh, you know, based on the gold content in there, um, you know, we can finance, uh, you know, even a business like that.
1: But they're not taking physical possession of the gold that you have, that the uh, the investors have stored with you, right? it's it's like collateral basically. right? I mean, they're not taking your gold and making jewelry out of it or recycling it. It's kind of a financial right. transaction, is that right?
2: Right. We're not trying to be their suppliers. So obviously in the case of the e-waste recycler, the gold that they're buying consists of, you know, dead sports. So um, what we're doing is we're swapping, we're saying, okay, we've got, let's say, you know, 10,000 ounces of gold here. You've got 10,000 ounces. Actually, you'd better have a heck of a lot more than that if we're talking about e-waste. You have many tens of thousands of ounces of gold locked up in the circuit boards. We'll swap, and we take ownership um, of the circuit boards. You take ownership of this, which, of course, they sell in order to pay their you know, vendors. They pay for the circuit boards that way. But then they process the circuit boards down and then eventually produce a uh, metallic powder that, as I said, contains copper, silver, and gold in it, plus plus trace amounts of GMs usually.
1: So what has been the reaction? You founded Monetary Metals in 2012, so it's been around for about eight years. What has been the reaction of the investing public to this so far?
2: So for the first um, five of those years, we were primarily experienced by the world as a blog and as a source of information we publish all kinds of graphs showing the internal structures of the gold market. Um, so, for example, the London Bullion Market Association used to quote the gold forward rate, which is a, a swap rate um, that for the gold world is, I guess, kind of the equivalent of LIBOR. It's the single most important quoted thing in the, in the professional and you know, gold investment communities. And um, under regulatory pressure in 2015, they stopped quoting it. So um, the gold community looked at, is there an alternative source for that quote? No, there isn't. Is there any way to try to calculate it? Everybody threw their arms up and said, no, you can't calculate it. Well, we developed a way to calculate it with better than 0.99 accuracy. And so, um, so we have graphs showing the gold forward rate, the gold lease rate um, in, in the professional market. That's different from the lease rate that our investors are getting. And the same thing for silver. So we have 60 some odd charts and then um, weekly commentary on markets and economic ideas. And so for those years, the public experienced monetary metals as a source of information um, and and presenting a different view. So, uh, you know, there's the mainstream world, I suppose, Then I I guess I'll call them paper bugs uh, to contrast them with a lot of people in the gold community or gold bugs, the ones who think gold's gonna go to $10,000 or $50,000 or whatever, you know, just as soon as the conspiracy to manipulate it is, is broken in, the, in their belief. And, and we, we offer kind of a third view, a view that says there are serious flaws in the monetary system as it's constituted now, in fact, fatal flaws, but we don't necessarily believe gold is going to be $50,000. We also don't think that if gold does go to $50,000 that that's actually a good thing. We think that that's a pretty bad thing. The world is going to be Kind of like Mad Max, if that happens. Um, so we talk about all these ideas and we're, um, you know, presenting a, a different viewpoint and ideas that I don't think are really being talked about anywhere else. So um, we launched the um, leasing the first, you know, deal gold painting gold in 2017, and um, you know the response to that uh, is, is exactly what we predicted, which is, you know people love the idea and obviously we have to earn their trust you know as a new company um, a lot of people are gonna say great idea how do I know you guys aren't um, you know I'm just gonna take my gold and, and you know run to uh, wherever is that people run to when they're stealing something yeah and so we have to build a reputation and we have to earn it one deal at a time and what we find is with each deal we do you know we put out an announcement that says we did this deal and um, you know each deal uh, precipitates more investors that come off the fence and say, okay, I'll, I'll dip my toes in the water. I'll send these guys some gold and, you know, see how it works. Um, our clients rave about us. They, they love what we're doing. They generally add more gold over time. They generally recommend us to their friends and family over time. And um, so we're growing exponentially. It's, it's uh, we're in an exciting place as a business.
1: What assurances do people have that you're not going to run off with the gold? I mean, they're sending 10 ounces or more of gold. It's a, it's a good amount of money. Is there some insurance? or the, how, What assurance is there that you are legitimate?
2: Well, I mean, I guess there's two there's two separate questions. Um, what assurance are there that we're not crooks other than um, a reputation that we're building over time and other than, if you read my writing, and I put out a lot of videos as well, people can see what kind of guy I am. I think... Um, and then, of course, we're domiciled in the U.S. under U.S. law. And, you know, if you steal somebody's gold uh, or steal somebody's anything for that matter, you go to prison. Um, so so there's that. And then over time, as we build reputation uh, and people can see that gold isn't being stolen, um, you know, I, I think with, with anything, when there's, when there's a big scalable idea, whether it's Google or whether it's Airbnb or whether it's Uber, um, it becomes clear that the best way to the biggest money you're going to make is by being legitimate, serving your customers properly. And you're going to build, I think we're going to build a, um, you know, global gold based financial institution. Um, and so we have, um, you know, we have some institutional partnerships, um, and, you know, we have, we have a partnership with a broker dealer based out of New York, so we do have a, a certain amount of regulatory compliance. We're doing all the things to be, you know, good corporate citizens. And we're pursuing something that is, you know, a really big thing to go steal 10 ounces of somebody's gold would be kind of brain dead. And I yep. think I think people can see that.
1: So when you so send then, them the so gold, thing, so do you there's, have there's some the, kind of a, a vault or do you have some kind of a secure place? I mean, say some criminal could break into your place and take the gold. How, how is it secured when you receive it?
2: So, so like any other early stage company, we want to focus just on doing the thing where we add the value and not try to reinvent any other wheels. So we partner with existing vaults, uh, existing depositories that have good and long-standing reputations. Um, and so we have a our, our, our flagship partnership is with the Delaware Depository, has been in decade, been in business for for many decades. Um. They're a very well-known entity in the space. In Sydney, Australia, we have a partnership with ABC Bullion. Uh, uh, They've been around since, I want to say, the 1950s. Um, Again, in in the Australian market, they've got a great uh, reputation. Um, And we have a partnership with um, AMARC and their um, uh, TDS Vault Network. So Um, they're not
1: sending the gold to you. They're sending it to the depository that you tell them to send it to.
2: Yeah, that's right. They, they We provide a uh, shipping label. We ultimately go to the depository to get a shipping label that includes insurance. They send it to the depository. The depository checks it in. And, um, you know, they have all the security systems that you would expect to make it very, very difficult to steal gold. One does not go to any of these vaults, you know, with a handgun and say, this is a stick up. Give us the gold. <laughs> Work. You, you wouldn't get anything that way, and and they all have insurance policies from you know Lloyd's or somebody like that to cover you know the risk of loss of gold. And usually those policies are hundreds of millions or billions of dollars in, in coverage limit, you know, yeah. for a big vault. Do um, you deal in
1: any other minerals or, like, or metals like silver or platinum or
2: any other metals? Yes. So um, so the name of the company, Monetary Metals, is a plural because we believe that silver is the other monetary metal. And so we do uh, silver deals as well. We have done one platinum deal um, that was kind of a bespoke broker deal because it just made sense. So at this point, it's kind of unclear to me whether or not we're going to be doing platinum and rhodium and palladium or whether we're just going to focus on gold and silver. But certainly gold and silver.
1: Are the silver amounts less? I mean, what are the minimum amounts of ounces for silver for you to do a deal? And you get the same kind of interest rates?
2: Um so the interest rate is a very interesting question. I've written an article, sort of starting to ask the questions around which interest rate is going to be higher or lower. Um, so to open an account for silver, the minimum account size is 750 ounces, um, and we've had silver deals I want to say ranging between two and a quarter and three percent. So the interest rates have been tended to be in line with gold at the moment.
1: Okay, so you can do both that way. Yes. Yeah. So what would you say from an investor's point of view would be the advantage of doing gold with you where you get 2 to 4% interest roughly as opposed to, say, a gold mining share which might pay a dividend?
2: Risk. The gold mining equity is a much higher risk proposition. I mean, anything that you do that has a yield is going to have risk, but I think the gold mining equities represent the extreme of risk return, you know, there's a spectrum of risk and return and to buy equities in, uh, you know, the equity, equity of the mining shares I think is the extreme end of the risk and leasing would be the opposite end.
1: So it's, it's, you know the gold is there, you're just going to earn some interest on it, but you don't have to worry about the day-to-day volatility of the shares.
2: Well, and, and the day-to-day volatility of the business of mining and, you know, what if there's a labor strike and what if there's a flood and what if… The government gets greedy and stupid and says, you know, raising your tax rate. And, and so all the things that happen.
1: All the operational questions, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very good. Okay, well, terrific. We're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this uh, hour is Keith Weiner. He's a leading authority in areas of gold, money, and credit. You can find out how to put your gold and silver to his company, Monetary Metals, and earn interest in the 2 to 4.5% range or so. Uh, His website is monetary-metals.com. We'll be back after this.
3: Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
0: You've been listening to The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to The Money Answers Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Keith Wiener. He is a leading authority in the areas of gold, money, and credit. His company is called Monetary Metals as a way of earning interest on your gold or silver. You can find out more at monetary-metals.com. Welcome back to the show, Keith. Thanks, Jordan. So let's take a broader view of gold and silver right now. I mean, in general, gold and silver prices have been rising the last year or so, after having been pretty depressed for a very long period of time. What is driving the gold and silver market right now?
2: We're in a very interesting place, and I don't I don't say that lightly because I've, I've seen it all, but um. Prior to 2012, you know, gold was was very broadly in a bull market, and obviously silver as well. And everybody was buying, and it got to the it got to the point where people could almost feel it was guaranteed to go up. And that becomes a very dangerous thing because once people feel complacent, then speculators come in uh, with leverage. They can buy futures with 10 to 1 or more leverage. And that begins to happen. and Of course, that drives the price up even more, which makes people even more overconfident, and eventually the whole thing busts, as it did when silver hit its peak of almost fifty dollars in, I want to say it was April uh, of 2011, and then gold had its peak uh, a couple of months later in August. And um, you know, since then, um, you know, the the price action has been down to sideways. Every blip up. Was speculators getting wind of another rumor or another? Hey, it's going to go up again. And when when we track supply and demand, we're looking at the difference between buying a physical metal versus buying, uh, you know, paper futures. And we can see, you know, which where the flows are. And so from, from 2011 to um, last summer, let's let's say or last last around last May. Um, every time there would be a major blip, you could just see it was speculators moving in. Yeah. And uh, sometimes retail would get excited. All the gold bug newsletters would, would send email blasts out. And there would were pictures of rocket ships and pictures of the moon and all these things. Now's the time to buy. It's going to take off again. And I think a couple of things happened. One is the speculators have just simply moved on. There's other asset classes that are more attractive to them uh, than than gold and silver. And I think the retail people have heard the boy cry wolf one too many times and they just don't believe it anymore. And so this price rise from May to uh, to August, and then the price has held since then, and now it's up a little bit more even, um, that price rise occurred without retail participation. In fact, as we talked to bullion dealers around the world, there were retail sellbacks. As the price went up, people felt, now's an opportunity to unload that gold. I was such an idiot to buy it. I'm glad I'm getting out with my shirt, you know, that type of thing. And they're selling back the, the gold to the dealers. And um, uh, and also we're not seeing the, the speculative uh, flows. And so this time around, I think it's institutional buying. And um, the one institutional number that, that anybody can point to is central banks, which have now been, uh, you know, bigger net buyers than they were before. And um, you know, anecdotally, I can say, as we talk to institutional investors, we're seeing real interest in gold for the first time since 2012.
1: So um, like the central bank in Russia and China and Germany, why are they putting a lot of money into gold?
2: Well, obviously, I mean, the gold bugs think it's because they, they want a new gold standard. But as much as I want the gold standard, I founded a nonprofit called the Gold Standard Institute. So I advocate for that uh, you know, constantly. I don't think these central banks are thinking about a gold standard. I think they're thinking about two things, which is one, price, and they think that um, the price of gold is likely to go higher. And two, I think they're thinking about systemic risk. And so that gets to sort of the core reason why anybody in this day and age will, would want to hold gold is it's the only way of having a financial asset that opts out of being a creditor and having exposure to the monetary system and whatever excesses may be building up in said monetary system. so if you're if you're a typical central bank, you know not not including the US Fed because they're the center of the universe. But if you're a peripheral central bank, the typical thing you do is you issue your local currency, let's say the Polish Lottie, In order to finance the purchase of your asset, which is the treasury bond, U.S. treasury bond, and you're making an interest rate differential plus, you think the dollar is going to go up against the zloty, or hope it will. That's sort of conventional central banking in the rest of the world. And if you start to think that there are systemic risks in the U.S., that either you know uh, the U.S. might default on its obligations to foreign, you know, central banks which, you know, Trump has been has, uh, banded that about once or twice, or if you think that the trade war is going to make you know, problems for the U.S. dollar, then you start to think, well, I don't necessarily want to hold dollars. What other thing could I hold if I'm the Polish central bank? You quickly look around and you say, I don't want to hold euros. I don't want to hold pounds. I don't want to hold Chinese yuan. I don't want to hold, you know, whatever, you know, pesos from any South American banana republic. What do I want to hold? And then there's that one thing that's the four-letter word that everybody doesn't like, but yet, at the end of the day, that's what that's what they uh, that's what they hold.
1: Yeah. Now, and and we've had recently all these major international crises. Uh, you know, who would have thought Iran bombing the Saudi Arabian oil fields and uh, a hot war potentially in North Korea and even between Iran and Iraq and. Uh, refugee crises in Syria, I could go on and on Brexit, all these, one international crisis after another. In the past, gold would have soared on these things, but it hasn't really this time. Why is gold not considered as much of a refuge during all these international crises that it was, say, in the early 80s?
2: Well, it's one of those things that can flip on a dime, um, and probably will when it finally does flip. Right now, retail ain't buying it, and maybe the answer is because they've just heard the boy cry wolf too many times. So they see this, but in their mind, they can't they can't tell the difference between this and all the other stories that made them buy gold on every little blip on the way down between two thousand twelve and, and two thousand, you know, call it two thousand eighteen. So they just maybe just feel like no, I'm not going to get suckered again. They're just fatigued. Um, meanwhile, um, as I said, I think the speculators are just interested in other asset classes at the moment and so you've got institutional buying right now and um, what's interesting also about this is that I think the dollar is going to get stronger as a result of these crises if there's a hot war in the Middle East if there's a hot war in North Korea it's all the other currencies that will go down against the dollar so we could see a US dollar index of you know 150 or more you know with a couple of little things like that so the US dollar will benefit from it but also course, gold. And, um, you know, right now, I think people are aware of the opportunity for the dollar to go up, and maybe a little bit less aware uh, uh, for gold. Um,
1: But don't the dollar and the gold normally work inversely? When the dollar goes up, that's usually bad for gold. When the dollar goes down, that's good for gold. Isn't that the traditional relationship?
2: It does tend to correlate that way, but I don't think that's necessarily so. I think that can often be a self-fulfilling prophecy, and sometimes the drivers may work out to push both, you know, in, in opposite directions. But I think going forward, it's an environment where people have a lot of good re- reasons to buy gold, and at the same time, the dollar stronger for a lot of very perverse reasons. I write a lot in my writing about perverse incentives and perverse reasons. And one of which is that as the number of debtors increases every debtor what you know let's say you're a farmer and you borrow a million dollars to finance your farm what's the one thing that the world can count on you to do you're going to grow as much wheat as you as you possibly can and dump that wheat onto the uh, weed into the market in order to service your debts so the more debtors there are servicing the more debt the more uh you know that the dollar looks like it's getting stronger and stronger commodity prices are falling and the more dollar debtors there are abroad the more they have to dump their local currency and buy dollars at whatever price because they have to pay their debts if you don't service your debt right in dollars and if you don't service your debt um, they foreclose they take away your business they take away your house
1: yeah
2: and so that's it's very perverse but that's what i think um you know drives a lot of this
1: i mean some have said that the new uh Haven, I guess you might say, is Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Because with all these recent developments, Bitcoin's gone back up again. It was 3,000, now it's maybe 9,000. Is there something to it that Bitcoin may be the new gold?
2: Uh, well, I certainly don't think Bitcoin is gold. Um, but I think that a lot of people are very excited about Bitcoin, and I think that generates a lot of speculation. But I think perversely, that speculation works against Bitcoin actually being usable as money. And when I think of money, I don't think about party A paying for goods from party B necessarily. So Bitcoin, the way that works, the merchant wants to get dollars for his goods and he prices his goods in dollars. He hires a third party who finds a fourth party so that the customer comes along, I want to pay Bitcoin for this flat screen TV. There's a fourth party that wants to trade his dollars for Bitcoin. And so the currency broker arranges for the fourth party to provide the dollars to the merchant. The customer p- provides the bitcoin, which go to the other guy. They take a little spread in the middle, and everyone see bitcoin is being used as a medium of exchange. Well, okay, it's sort of true, but nobody in his right mind would ever borrow bitcoin because the the, the loudest proponents of bitcoin tell you it's going to go up by a thousandfold. Who who in their right mind would borrow something that's going to go up a thousand falls if i buy a house tomorrow and i have a three thousand dollar a month mortgage payment but they're telling me that my mortgage is going to go up to three million dollars a month i'd have to have rocks in my head in order to want to do that so it's it's not suitable for borrowing and nor is it suitable for savers and so there's not really a borrowing and lending market there won't be any credit any significant credit created on bitcoin it's it's this asset that people are, are trading and speculating and hoping it goes up again and maybe it will uh, i have no particular prediction on the bitcoin price my, my position is it's not money and it doesn't sound which, mm-hmm. is, which is a different thing but it could go to a million dollars next week for all i know
1: <laughs> but it has been reacting to events as gold has been to some extent right so there's something there
2: you know i, I guess i would just invoke the uh the keynesian beauty contest King said what if a newspaper had a beauty contest and so they print whatever hundred pictures of different women and then whoever guesses uh, uh, well, who would be the, the, the voted the best you know, beauty queen of the whole thing gets whatever a big prize. It's not about voting for the prettiest woman. It's about voting for who you think everyone else will vote as the prettiest woman. And I think Bitcoin, you know, going up in response to these things may be a bit of a Keynesian beauty contest. I <laughs> Very good.
1: Okay. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Keith Wiener, a leading authority in the areas of gold, money, and credit. His company is called Monetary Metals. It's a way to earn interest on your gold or silver. You can find out more at his website, monetary-metals.com. We'll be back after this.
3: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network.
4: Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equities Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth in Equity, 888-262-5540, or visit truthinequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners.
0: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, Keith Wiener, a leading authority in areas of gold, money, and credit. His company is called Monetary Metals. It's a way of earning interest on your gold or silver holdings. You can find out more at his website, monetary-metals.com. Welcome back to the show, Keith.
2: Thanks, Jordan.
1: So you've talked several times about the flaws in the monetary system. So looking at it right now, there's lots of debt out there, the economy in the U.S. is growing. Uh, Europe still, for the most part, has negative interest rates. China is still growing. India is growing. So what's the problem here? Everything seems to be just fine. <laughs>
2: Would you call it growth? Let's say you're uh, next to your neighbor is making the same money that he's always made in the same dead-end job, but he gets a brand new credit card offer that says we'll give you a hundred thousand dollar credit limit. And so he shows up with a brand new truck, towing a trailer with a boat and some um, you know four-wheel ATVs on it. Okay. We, you call that growth. What's growing precisely?
1: Well, so the economy grew because we, used, we created some consumption there.
2: We're consuming. And so our definition of GDP, to put it in very stark terms, this isn't how economists would define it, but I think this is as close to accurate as anything. GDP equals production plus destruction. That is, we get the sign wrong and destruction is additive. So if we consume our capital, or to use an analogy from a frontier farmer that any farmer would understand, if we eat the seed corn, so at the end of the harvest, you know, we harvest all the all the corn and all the wheat, we have to set aside a certain amount of seeds to plant next year. The rest we can eat, but the seeds we better never uh, eat because we're not going to be able to plant the harvest next year and the following winter we're going to starve to death. and so. What our monetary system does is creates a perverse incentive to eat the seed corn, to consume capital. Capital should be used for production, but we're converting it into consumer goods. All those tr- trucks and boats and and uh, you know ATVs and everything else um, is is capital that's being converted, and all those things, of course, are depreciating assets. You know, eight ten years later, what is that truck worth? What's that boat worth? What's those what all those ATVs worth, and so they, they go to zero, and, and that's what, that's what a, um, a falling interest rate
1: environment
2: uh, incentivizes.
1: What would it look like if we were investing that capital, you're saying to, we should need to build more plants and equipment, or build more, I mean, it seems like we have enough plants around, there there's excess capacity everywhere. That what drives the economy is consumer spending, particularly in the U.S what What would it look like if things worked the way you talked about about having this capital be invested instead of spent?
2: So I mean, you make a very good point that in at any given time, there's a limiting factor that determines how much you can grow, and then throwing more of whatever isn't the limiting factor at it doesn't create more growth. So if we throw more capital and then Burger King builds more hamburger restaurants and, and um GM builds more plants where they're building more Silverado pickup trucks. um, That doesn't necessarily create growth. And you're right. And in fact, in this in this environment, which we've had since 1981, this goes back quite a long ways. The demand for credit from business is pretty soft, unless the interest rate ticks down. And so my, my favorite example talking about cars and trucks is even when the Fed thought it was on a rate hiking episode which uh last year but from 2015 i think to 2019 they thought there would be hiking rates if you if you watch on tv the commercials are saying buy a new car and all the car manufacturers are doing this um buy a new car and you get zero percent financing for 72 months and in some cases even 84 months and um what that says to me is i look at this is they know that if they you know Okay, so let me think, let me roll back. Even before 2015, when the Fed was holding the Fed funds rate at basically zero, for a car manufacturer to finance you for 60 years of financing at zero percent is a subsidy. I mean, they're losing money to do that. Yeah. But as the interest rate went up and the Fed hiked rates x number of times, and it went from 25 basis points to what was it, 250 sure, basis sure points, something a half, like that. A half, yeah. Yeah. Um. During all that hiking, the cost of that subsidy to GM and Ford was was increased by at least that amount and probably more. And so all during that time, they held the line and they continued to offer zero to the consumer even though their own cost of providing it went up. And the obvious reason why they would do that is their marketing people calculated what they thought sales would be if they hiked the rates and sales would probably have fallen off a cliff. So they decided the smaller loss would be if they continued the subsidy rather than um, to allow the, the uh, sales volumes to drop off. Yeah. And so well, that's, that's an interesting thing. It's basically saying consumers aren't going to buy cars and trucks unless they're getting this incredible subsidy of 0% or unless they're getting 0% financing. And so the demand for credit just dries up if the rate goes up. And, that's, but, but it, and, and then even if the rate just holds, the demand for credit weakens. And they have to cut the rates in order to get the economy to, quote unquote, you know, revive and pick up again. But it's, it's a game where, where yields and interest and, and ultimately return on capital is falling. So in the world today, if you invest capital to try to earn a return, and I don't mean betting on um, asset prices, but actually to try to generate a return, there's almost nowhere to go to get a decent return in anything. I mean, and the, the the earnings yields or dividend yields, certainly, of, of uh, S&P 500 are laughably low. I mean, it would be a joke if it wasn't so serious. Um, every major corporation is looking at what's the marginal return for opening up the next plant or the next store, and there's very little return to be had anywhere. Yeah. And so that's our current world, but in a rational world, there should be a real return to justify the risk and to justify, uh, tying up the capital.
1: What is it telling and, you um, that, that there's so much in negative interest rates around, particularly in Europe and Japan? What is that telling you? What signal is that giving you that we have 15 trillion, some huge amount of negative interest rates?
2: I mean, it's, it's approaching what I call the heat death of the economic universe. That um, number one, the saver is, is disenfranchised. That's what paper currency does. There's no way to opt out. There's no way. You know, the gold standard, you can take your gold coin home and not play. But in the paper standard, you can take printed dollar bills home, but you're still a creditor. You're still financing the Fed who then lends the government and the banks. So number one, everybody's disenfranchised. And number two, they have so flooded the market with credit that credit can't do anything productive. And so just, um, you know, banks, banks exist to make a spread. So if the bank can borrow at minus one percent, it, it can lend to a business that's losing at minus half a percent, or, or pay, willing to pay half minus half a percent, and the bank is still making money. So the bank doesn't really care, in a certain sense. Um, but all that money is just flooding out there, and 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 demand is very uh, lethargic, which means ultimately productive opportunity is, is very uh, is very weak.
1: Yeah. In about two minutes we have left, just kind of summarize what difference it could make in people's portfolio if they take some of their gold and silver, give it to monetary metals, and earn a yield in the two to 4% range on it.
2: So we have a a, a white paper that people can um, request that looks at what if you put a small allocation of gold, 4% in the portfolio. And what that does is it reduces volatility reduces drawdowns, increases sharp ratio, all the things that professional money managers are looking for. But without a yield on the gold, it's not particularly exciting. If you're getting yield on the gold, you get significantly enhanced returns and that gold still acts as a, as a hedge or as an anchor uh, against market volatility. So you should be owning some gold in the portfolio and if you're gonna do that, it's better to own gold with a return versus paying anywhere between, you know, 50, 75 basis points or even 1% a year to store your gold. So uh, the difference between monetary metals versus other options, it's not just the interest we pay, it's also the lack of paying storage fees or carry yeah. costs for gold.
1: Indeed. Very good. All right. Well, thanks very much. My guest this hour has been Keith Weiner. Uh, he's a leading authority in areas about gold and money and credit, as we were discussing. Um, his company, Monetary Metals, which he founded about eight years ago, allows you to earn interest from in typically the 2 to 4% range on both your gold and your silver. You can find out more at his website, which is monetary-metals.com. Thanks so much for being a very interesting guest on The Money Answer Show, Keith. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now.